Money, Riches, and Wealth is sponsored by the Financial Consulate. Say you don't need no diamond rings and I'll be satisfied. Tell me that you want the kind of things the money just can't buy. I don't care too much for money. Money can buy me love. This is Talk Radio 680 WCBM. Time now for Money, Riches, and Wealth. Here's your host, Drew Tignanelli. And this is Drew Tignanelli here, Money, Riches, and Wealth co-host, once again, Leo Laveza. Did I say that okay? You did a good job. I give you an A+. And I threw a little Italian fling in there, too, with you. <laughs> Laveza. Anyway, we're on an open show tonight, Leo, so our guests are our listeners. Our listeners get to determine what we're going to talk about tonight. They get to ask the questions. They get to say, this is the topic that I want to hear because this would help me. If you could help answer this for me, it would really help my personal financial situation. So if you have that question, you want to call in and ask that, uh, 410-922-6680, Until they uh, call in, Leo, we'll just talk about a couple other things that we feel might be of interest. Number one, I believe that everybody out there listening should now be going to the IRS ID website and get a PIN number for their tax return. Um, But make sure if you do this and you get this PIN number that you will not be able to file your tax return unless you have that PIN number. So, you know, you need to do it and you need to protect that PIN number and make sure you have it when you go to file your tax return because the only person that will be able to file a tax return for Drew Tignanelli is the one that has that PIN number for Drew Tignanelli. And uh, in today's world, the amount of identity theft going on in the IRS and the state of Maryland tax returns is unprecedented. And you would be wise to start thinking about going ahead and getting an ID PIN number so that nobody can file your tax return and pretend they're you. And uh, now you've got a whole months, months that you'll have to wait to try to figure out how to get your tax return legitimately filed and request your legitimate refund. So ID verify, ID uh, IRS ID me or whatever they want to call it, ID protection. Um, you know, just Google search it. It'll be the first one that comes up and consider doing this. It's uh, going to be very important. So and anyway, a, and key ahead. reminder, Drew, too, is that that's a new pin number every year. So once you start that, you want to keep an eye out for every year. You're going to get a randomly generated number that you're going to use each time. Yeah, so it'll protect you not only for this year, but every year thereafter. And the other neat thing about it, Leo, is you're going to have an actual IRS website that you can log into, and you'll have a portal there, which not only you'll get your new PIN number every year from, but you also will be able to do things with the IRS that right now takes a lot of time and effort to do. For example, let's say I have a client with a problem on their tax return, okay? I got to send them a form called a 2848 and say, here you go, sign this form, you know, and I have to fill it out and then I have to send it to the IRS and then I have to, you know, fax it. Every time I talk to an agent, I got to fax it to them because they always claim they don't have it you know, and so forth. It's a real pain in the neck. But when you have this IRS portal that you now log into, you can say, hey, I want Drew Tignelli to be able to represent me. Bing, you know, and instantly 
I am connected as your legal representative to talk about 2020, 21, whatever tax year you want me to talk about with the IRS and so forth. So I think it's going to prove to be a very important thing that all Americans consider doing. And uh, if you're out there listening and you're alive and you have and you pay taxes and you file a tax return, um, it'd probably be something that you seriously need to start thinking about getting an IRS uh, ID PIN protection number. Anyway, we're on an open show tonight, Leo, 410-922-6680. If you want to call in and ask your question, you're the guest tonight. You get to determine what you uh, want to talk about tonight. Maybe everybody's running home tonight, Leo, to get ready for the uh, bomb. What do they call it? A bomb something the, or the other. The Bombogenesis, I think. Bombogenesis. I now, think that's, that's the a name. really cool name. <laughs> I really like that. The, you know, the weather people are starting to get much more creative than they've been in the past, you know? I know. you got to give them credit. I don't know where they – it's like they were throwing darts to pick that name out there. You know, it used to be just you had a blizzard or something, you know, had a lot of snow coming down. It was gotten really cold. Now they've got these really cool names for these things, you know, and so forth. So anyway, uh, maybe everybody's running home to get ready for the bombogenesis. And uh, uh, or maybe you have time that you could call in and ask a question. 410-922-6680 if you want to call in. Ask a question. Nobody's online, right? Yes, is that correct, Leo? Not yet. Nope. They're Not just list- they're so entrenched in us talking here. They don't want to interrupt. They want to hear about the IRS PIN number. That's you know? right. I just, you know, we got about 20 seconds left. I also just want to say, you know, our opening song is not just, uh, you know, a song. You know, it's not just, it's a purpose to the song. And that is, is that uh, money can't buy me love. And that's the whole uh, gist of what the financial consulate's all about. It's that, you know, it's, you want the money. You want to accumulate it. You want to do wise things with it and so forth. But we don't want to get carried away with it and think that it's powerful and going to save us. Relationships are the most powerful things in life. And that's why that is the opening theme song of the uh, Money, Riches, and Wealth show. Anyway, Leo, we're on an open show. We're out of time for this first quarter of the show. Nobody's online. If you want to call in and ask your question, direct the conversation, 410-922-6680. That's 410-922-6680. This is Drew Tignanelli, and I have a question for you. Is your financial advisor a doctor of personal financial advice? Do you get strategies to reduce taxation, Social Security, Medicare advice, sophisticated retirement planning, investment allocation strategies, estate planning, or help with any issue of money? It is time you do a financial physical with me and my team at the consulate and experience the difference. You hear the depth of knowledge we have about personal finance, so do a financial physical and you'll experience what we believe an advisor should do for you. They should be independent, experienced, credentialed, fee-only, comprehensive fiduciaries. They should be a doctor of personal finance and not salespeople selling you products. Set up an introductory meeting by calling 410-823-SAVE, 410-823-SAVE, or go online, financialphysical.com. That's financialphysical.com. It's time you experience the difference chestnuts roasting on an open fire jack frost nipping at your nose yuletide carols being sung by choir 
Now back to more of Money, Riches, and Wealth on Talk Radio 680 WCBM. And we're back, Money, Riches, and Wealth. And Anita, that is a really beautiful Christmas song, but it's not one of my favorite three. One of my favorite threes are Oh Holy Night, Do You See What I See, and Oh Come, Oh Come, Emmanuel. But I'm just saying. I'm not saying that you should play those. I'm just saying. <laughs> anyway. We're on an open show, 410-922-6680, if you want to call in, 410-922-6680. And we've got a couple callers online, so let's go to them, Leo. That's right. We've got Gary in Dundalk. Gary, how can we help you tonight? Yeah, I have a question on what he started the show with. If it's joint, do you each have to get a number, or is it just for the uh, one, you know, tax? You both have to get a number. Okay. Because, because what these fraudsters do, Gary is they, they will file a return as if they're you only, or they'll file a return as if it's your spouse only, okay? And if she or, he or you had, you know, withholdings out of paychecks and stuff, and they just happen to line up the numbers reasonably well, which they do very often because they got general ideas of what you make and so forth, they'll file a return as if they're individual, as if they're single, or married, filing separate, and so forth. And they'll just ask for a refund. And the IRS, if I told you how much money the IRS and state of Maryland has sent out in fraudulent refunds, you would fall over. I'm telling you, it's in the multi-billions of dollars the IRS and state of Maryland have sent out in fraudulent refunds over the last 15 years or so. Okay. All right. What about so the get, Do they have the same program? No, they don't. Not that I know of. Now, they, claim, they claim they're doing things to try to make sure that they catch people who are filing fraudulent returns. Uh, I, you know, I'm not necessarily sure. But the IRS definitely has one now, and it's available to everyone now. All right, let's go to our next caller there, Leo. Who do we have? We've got Mark. Mark, you're on with Drew and Leo. What can we do for you tonight? Hi, gentlemen. First time caller. Thank you for your show. Um, so reference to saying the last gentleman asked about, so I've been doing taxes. I used to be a volunteer for the IRS for, for years. I used to about 600 returns a year. And the question I have for you, because I always discourage most people from electronic filing, since the IRS has one of the most unsecure databases in the government, which is no surprise, just the government overall sucks when it comes to security, um, I always do a paper return. So my question to you is, do you also need to get one of those pins for a paper return? Well, first off, I would strongly discourage you from ever filing another paper return because I'll bet you over the last two years, your paper return filings have not been fun filings and trying to get results from the paper return filings you've done. I agree with your position, but here's the point. The minute they get that dang paper return, what do they do? They digitize it. So what's the difference, you know? What's the difference? <laughs> so well, I so, would so for instance, I'll give you an example. I get a check every year, and I have for the last 40-some years. Why should I give the IRS my routing number, my bank well, you don't. You don't number. have to do that. You can file an electronic I return. I know you can. Yeah, I know. And say, I want a check refund, and I want to pay you a check in the mail. You know, keep in mind that if you pay in a paper check, and they don't receive that paper check because the USPS, which is just as bad as the <laughs> IRS, um, you're still responsible and you're still going to be charged interest penalties. Of course. Yeah, I know that there. It's, of course, the key is I, I always get a refund regardless because of how I do my W-4. 
Uh, so I make sure I'm never in that boat. <laughs> but you're but, you're right, though, that a paper return would still need the PIN number if you set up a PIN number. Okay. All no, right? So I guess the question is, is I may have misunderstood. So it, you just highly recommend it or you must set no, it up? No, I highly recommend it. Okay. Okay. And you That's go through, it. I guess, the IRS website to Yeah, to just, uh, that, just to Google search IRS PIN identification or something like that. Anything okay. similar okay. to that, and you'll get it. right. Okay, very good. Well, hey, thank you so much for the answer. I appreciate it, and thank you for the info as a whole. Appreciate right, the show. Mark. Take care. Thank you. Thank you for your or Chris. Well, that was Mark, right? That was Mark, yep. Thank you for your service to people and helping them volunteering to do tax returns. I would never volunteer to do a tax return. <laughs> <laughs> if I don't get paid, I'm not going to do that tax return. <laughs> well, let's go to Chris. Yep. Chris, how can we help you tonight? I appreciate what you guys do, and uh, Drew, Leah, thanks for taking the time. I had kind of a, a broader question. You know, this is really uh, kind of a, a crazy economic time, and I was just wondering, you know, with inflation going one way, interest rates another, and everything going on, what you kind of, what your thoughts were on, um, you know, kind of asset allocation to to tamp down some of the volatility that we're seeing, and and what your thoughts were on that. Okay, yeah, so that, that's any, a great uh, that's a great question, Chris. Yeah. You know, because first off, you have to understand that the times we are in right now are not as unusual as everybody keeps saying they are. Actually, the times we are in, if you go back and search over the last thirty or forty or fifty years, even these are more normal times right now. I will admit that the rate of inflation went much higher than they anticipated. But the normal rate of inflation over the last 40 or 50 years has been 2 to 4%, not 0 to 1% like it was over the last 9 years, the last, last 9 or 10 years. The last 9 or 10 years when interest rates were 0% and the inflation rate was 0 to 1%, 2% were abnormal times. That was the abnormality. And what happened is the Federal Reserve overstimulated the economy and Jerome Powell should be ashamed of himself. The stimulation he did for the pandemic of 2020 was so off the charts that he caused the 8 9% inflation that we're seeing. But now that he's pulling back, what you're going to see is you're going to finally see a normalization back to the norm that we saw between like 1945 after World War II and 2008 or seven, let's call it, after the before the great recession hit and if we return to that period of time look at what the stock market's performance was during that period of time what you're experiencing right now is a return to normalization not an abnormality that is actually some kind of scary bizarre economic period of time that, that's you know that's the way we look at it we're only only history, only a time, I should say. The future will tell whether my opinion of that is true or not, but that's the way I see it. Rates before 2008 were typically 4, 5, 6%. That was the norm. I got my first mortgage was 12%, and I was ecstatic in 2004 and five when I got a mortgage at like 4.5%. I thought that was the greatest thing on earth. You know, So these are the normal times not what we experienced over the last seven or eight years. Great. Thank you for that. And uh, thanks again to both of you for, uh, for hosting this. And you have a Merry Christmas now. 
All right. Well, thank you. That's, I appreciate that. And, you know, Leo, if you really think about it, bonds right now are yielding 6 7 8%. I mean, this is, this is the time that bonds actually make sense. Back in, in uh, 2021, when they were down again to 0.5% on a 30 on a 10-year government bond, that made no sense whatsoever. Uh, these are the normal. These are the normal interest rates, normal bond markets, and the market just is readjusting to normal normalization, not going into some freak period of time. Anyway, we're on an open show, Leo. We only have about a minute left. Let's go to John in Parkville. See what happens. You got it, John. What can we do for you tonight? Good evening, gentlemen. How are you? Good. I had heard that in the omnibus budget bill that is passing Congress, that there are changes for retirees, including changes to required minimum distributions and some uh, ability to uh, put away more uh, tax-deferred savings than had been previous. Have you guys got any information on that? Oh, yeah. We, we were going to talk about that tonight if we, uh, uh, you know, but we, we don't like to go too much detail until they really do pass the bill but we think that they're they're going there's probably a 99 percent probability this is going to go through and it's probably going to be tonight um so what's going to happen is your required minimum distribution age well actually i've only got six seconds left so once you when i come back i'll go over it with you john okay so That'd just great thank you just so listen much. have a holly jolly christmas it's the best time of the year I don't know if there'll be snow But have a cup of cheer Now back have to more of Money, Riches, and Wealth on Talk Radio 680 WCBM. You know, Leo, I, this is a really good song, too. And, you know, it's a real fun song. But my favorites are Oh Holy Night, <laughs> O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, and Do You See What I See? I just, I'm just saying. I think Anita's um, erasing know. the list you just made for her. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we're uh, going to answer John's question about. So John called up and he has a great question. And there's an omnibus bill that's going to spend one point seven trillion dollar budget bill next year. And in it is the something they've talked about for three solid years, 2020, 2021 and now 2022. And, and they passed the thing called the Secure Act, Leo, in 2019. And that changed a lot of the things about uh, 401ks and IRAs, and it increased the required minimum age to 72 instead of 70 and a half, okay? Well, now they've got Secure Act 2.0 built into this omnibus budget, uh, budget bill. And, and again, they've been talking about passing this since 2020, and they haven't done it. Now they're really close. I'd say there's probably a 99% probability it's going to pass. But keep in mind, it didn't yet pass, and we don't know all the provisions. I'm just going to tell you, Leo's going to tell you some of the things that they're going to do in this. Go ahead, Leo. Yeah, so the biggest one is the changes to those required distributions. So... Um, if you starting next year, you won't have to begin those until you're age 73. So keep in mind, if you turn 72 this year, unfortunately, you still have to make those. But if you are going to turn 72 next year, you won't have to start those required distributions until 2024. Right. So you got one year deferral. And then 
Yep. Uh, and then the how many years until the next one? And then you've got to wait until 2033. So that's another 10 years until it goes up to age 75. Right. So then, you know, everybody who turns 73 in the next 10 years, they're going to be taking required minimums. And then in 2033, for some reason, it changes to 2035, <laughs> I mean, to age 75. Okay, so what are some of the other things in this? Uh, we've got the penalty. If you fail to take your required distribution, uh, that's going to go down from 50% to a 25% penalty. And it might even get lowered to even 10%. There's a, there's a lot of support to lower it even further to 10%. But right now, 25 is the number that's currently on the table. What else? Yeah, um, there's some. they're going to index to some more numbers regarding inflation. So some of the contribution and limits like that might be a little more accurate in terms of inflation. And then there's going to be an extra catch-up at, at some ages. What are they? Uh, 60 to 63. They're going to add a little extra in there for you. And that's like $10,000. I think they're saying that you're going to be able to add extra. But why those three years is beyond me or four years. You know, it's uh, as I always say, don't ask why, just memorize this garbage, you know. Anyway, <laughs> what else? Uh, we've got uh, an interesting provision here. If you are paying student loans... Um, you can ask your employer to match to your 401k um, if you can tell them that you haven't been putting money in because you've been paying off those student loans. But uh, it's something that your employer plan still has to approve and kind of put into the plan language before it actually goes into effect. True. Yep. And also right now, Roth uh, 401k contributions have a, uh, a required minimum distribution if you turn 72 or 73, but a Roth IRA does not. The Secure Act 2.0 changes it equal to both that they have no required minimum, where traditionals will always have a required minimum. Yep. That's an interesting provision there because we always encourage our clients to get money out of 401ks once they're like 70 years of age because we don't want Roth 401k in there because Roth IRAs don't have a required minimum, but Roth 401ks do. Uh, so hopefully this will pass and change and equalize those two different uh, accounts. Yep. So anything else in there that we ought to talk about, or is that uh, I, I guess a, there's one more interesting one in there, here. Uh, they've got the, the option to create the emergency savings account in your 401k. Right. Yep. That is true. So basically it's, you know, it's that it allows people to have money saving in their 401k that they can take out to buy a car or do whatever so that they have a little rainy day fund, you know, and so forth. There's another provision in this that's kind of interesting, Leo, and that's where people who have had a 529 plan for 15 years or more and uh, don't feel they're going to need it anymore for college, they can distribute $30,000 at the rate of like six or $7,000 a year based on the Roth contribution laws into a Roth IRA as a direct transfer tax-free into the Roth uh, account. So that's an interesting provision. Yeah. I, you know, but it's only like 30000 and there's some quirky little things that you have to think about. So if you have a bunch of money stuck in a 529 plan, that might be a, a good provision to help you get it over to a Roth IRA, which would be a slam dunk decision beyond a shadow of a doubt. Anyway, let's see what other callers we have online. Hopefully that's helpful. But John, once we get it fully passed, we'll do a full thing on this, this baby because it's going to be big, you know. Yep. All right. What else do we have? 
We've got Jim in Ellicott City. Jim, what can we do for you tonight? Uh, yeah, I got a tax question. Uh, um, yeah, I haven't been as smart as you have uh, by moving to Florida. I'm still here in Maryland. And this particular year, I, uh, the Maryland tax return filing deadline um, had been extended out or moved out to July 15th. So my wife and I, we owed money on our tax return, so I wasn't anxious to um, send it out a couple months early. So I just sat on it. In the meantime, I realized I made a little uh, typo mistake in calculating a percentage for U.S. obligations, which are not taxed on your federal return, but uh, Maryland taxes it like everything. They tax everything. So I did, it was like 96 bucks, and it resulted in a $6 uh, extra tax due to the state. But what I – and I, I run TurboTax. So when I ran it, it said, oh, you owe 6 bucks, but that $192 underpayment penalty, which it said I had on my original return – Actually, uh, that that is wrong. So you have a refund of 192 minus the six dollars you owe. So you actually have a refund of 186 bucks. So I said, "Damn! I guess I'm going to send that amended return in along with the actual return, which is what I did." So of course they cashed the check right away for the original return, where we owed money, and I'm still waiting to, to get the. Uh, refund back and I've called them about four times and I did talk to a supervisor and they moved it up to expedite still haven't heard anything any suggestions (laughs) join the party my friend (laughs) (laughs) you know you're lucky you're dealing with the state of Maryland because they're they're almost functional you know Ah. see if you can do this with the IRS I mean uh, uh, if I told you what I have to go through to get things fixed for my clients with the IRS, you would think that these are the most efficient people on earth that you've ever <laughs> dealt with before. Well, but, uh, okay. I, we had a client that, uh, you know, he he paid in estimated taxes. Um, and the year before, because of unique situations with the COVID, uh, you know, uh, stimulus checks and so forth, we filed married filing separate. So the next year, they were going to file married, file, and joint. So he sends in this and made taxes under his and his wife's name, married, file, and joint. Well, Maryland files, uh, you know, takes the estimated tax payments and puts them into a single account for my client. Even though it's his Social Security number, they put it into a single uh, account under my client's name. We filed the tax return using his Social Security number and his wife's Social Security number, joint tax return, but because they filed it as a single estimated tax payment, they wouldn't apply it to the tax return. And it took me three months (laughs) of explaining to these people that it is his money. He paid it. He wants to go joint. And I had to write two letters. Finally, finally, a week or so ago, I finally got it distributed to him. I mean, it's just unreal what you have to deal with. And, you know, I mean, I'm sure they have their legitimate reasons as to why they do what they do. But it makes no sense whatsoever 
that somebody whose social security number is on an estimated tax payment and he files a tax return with his wife, that same social security number, and they refuse to link the two up together. And Mm -hmm. even though I'm on the return as a third party preparer and goes to them and says, this money, he wants it to be joint. They refuse to do it until they get a letter signed by him and by her saying that she and he both want it applied to his joint tax return. It's frustrating yeah. as all get out. Good luck and enjoy your time talking well, to I'm these play, people. I'm playing the political end now. I contacted one of my Maryland delegates, and he is inquiring on my behalf. So we'll see if that helps. So. Uh, it, look, anytime you have an issue with IRS or Maryland or any Medicaid, Social Security, Go to your representative always because yeah. when they hear from one of the politicians, they start jumping to attention and they start getting things taken care of. I just can't do that every single time I have a client issue. I have to go through the process because I have too many clients. Yeah. yeah. You know? Okay. Anyway, great question, my friend. We're going to be with Kathleen when we come back. We're on an open show, 410-922-6680. This is Drew Tignanelli, and I have a question for you. Is your financial advisor a doctor of personal financial advice? Do you get strategies to reduce taxation, Social Security, Medicare advice, sophisticated retirement planning, investment allocation strategies, estate planning, or help with any issue of money? It is time you do a financial physical with me and my team at the consulate and experience the difference. You hear the depth of knowledge we have about personal finance, so do a financial physical and you'll experience what we believe an advisor should do for you. They should be independent, experienced, credentialed, fee-only, comprehensive fiduciaries. They should be a doctor of personal finance and not salespeople selling you products. Set up an introductory meeting by calling 410-823-SAVE, 410-823-SAVE, or go online, financialphysical.com. That's financialphysical.com. It's time you experience the difference. Said the night wind to the little lamb. Do you see what I see? Do you see what I see? Way up in the sky, little lamb. Do you see what I see? Do you see what I see? A star, a star, dancing in the night. With a tail as big as a kite With a tail as big as a kite Now back to more of Money, Riches and Wealth on Talk Radio 680 WCBM. Do you hear hear what I hear? Do you hear what I hear? Ringing through the sky, Shepherd Bowl Do you hear what I hear? Song, a song, high above the trees, with a voice as big as the sea. Now, I wasn't trying to coerce Anita into doing one of my favorites, but, you know, it is, it is a great song. Anyway, well, let's go to Kathleen in Severna Park there, Leo. That's right. Kathleen, how can we help you tonight? Thank you. Could you tell me, how do I figure out if it's better to use a standard deduction or to itemize? Wow. That is a great question, Kathleen. And it is not, it is not an easy answer for people living in the state of Maryland. 
Okay. <laughs> I'm sure you were hoping for an easier answer than that, yes. weren't you? Well, you know, so the way it typically works, it should work, is very simple. If you add up all your itemized deductions and they're greater than the standard deduction, you take the standard deduction. It's pretty straightforward. So let's say the standard deduction is 15000 and I'm married and I add up all my itemized deduction and I come up with $15,500, I would take the itemized deductions. Okay, but let's say they came up to $14,500. I'd say, no, I'm going to take the standard because I'm getting $500 more deduction than my itemized deductions. Okay, that's, that's the simplicity of how it works. Oh, but not if you live in the great state of Maryland. I want to let you Maryland representatives know that you make it far more complicated for the poor a citizen who's stuck in your stupid state with your stupid laws. So here's where, <laughs> here's where it gets complicated, Kathleen. So okay. the standard deduction for the federal government is 20, are you single or married? Single. Single. So the standard deduction for a single person is like $13,500, okay, for on the federal tax return. But the standard okay. deduction for Maryland for a single person is only like $2,500. Okay, so you see a big disparity there. Now, here's the point. If you take the standard deduction on your federal return, Maryland says you're stuck with the standard deduction on our tax return. But if you itemize your deductions on your federal return, we're going to let you, you must itemize your deductions on your Maryland return. Well, now think about it, all right? You ready, Kathleen? Put this, put this in perspective like I would as an accountant. Let's say your itemized deductions got up to um, $13,200. Well, I said the okay. standard deduction is $13,500, right? Well, you're $300 below. So the norm is you say, boom, I'm going to take the standard deduction. Well, once you did that, you automatically condemned yourself in Maryland to taking the standard deduction in Maryland, which is only $2,500. Well, guess what happened now? You just paid Maryland probably um, $800 more in taxes than what you would have if you itemized your deductions, but you probably only paid the federal government 100 bucks or 50 bucks if you would have taken the itemized deductions instead of standard deductions. So there's this thing in Maryland that all Maryland residents, when they do their tax returns, have to be watching. And that is, what are my itemized deductions compared to my standard deduction for federal purposes? And what are they compared to state itemized deductions? And you have to calculate both to see, will I pay the federal government a little more money by forcing itemization so that these people in Maryland who for some reason want to just in, in a uh, malicious way, that's the way I'm going to put it, malicious way, force you to pay them more taxes than you should because they're not going to let you itemize unless you itemize on your federal tax return. So if you're doing Maryland residents have this unusual situation that you have to constantly be monitoring to determine whether you itemize or whether you take the standard deduction. And, uh, and I wished I could have given you an easier answer and you really hit a hot button in case you couldn't tell from me 
because it, nothing irritates me more than all the malicious little things that the Maryland legislature has built into their tax law that causes the Maryland residents to pay far more in taxes to Maryland than they should if they would just come up with a very simple, you know, easy tax law that people in Maryland could use and know that they're always paying the least amount of taxes that they possibly can. But they don't. And if I went through everything that these guys do to you, you none of you would live in Maryland anymore. The only one to live in Maryland are the guys down there making these stupid laws and the people that don't pay any taxes in Maryland. Anyway, did you get the idea that you hit a hot button there, Kathleen? Yes, I'm still confused. Would it be better to go for the federal? Uh, what what I said itemized? to you, Kathleen, you have to you pull together all your itemized deductions every year. Okay. As a Maryland resident, every Maryland resident should pull together every legitimate itemized deduction they have, and put it into the tax return. And then look at the, the taxes that are owed when you take the standard deduction on your federal return and add the two together, the federal tax liability and the state tax liability, add the two together, and then turn around and force itemization on your federal return, saying I'm going to pay the Fed a little more money, and, uh, and then add the two taxes together on your state and federal return with forced itemization, and whichever one turns out to be the lowest amount of total taxes, state and federal, that's the one that the Maryland resident should use. The point is, Kathleen, you've got to do both. And if you don't look at both, you're going to potentially hurt yourself on your Maryland tax return. There is no easy answer, in other words, what I'm trying to say. If you're not grasping what I'm saying, you need to find competent tax people who can help you with this because TurboTax is not going to do it for you. TurboTax okay. is going to let you figure it out. If you say to TurboTax, hey, do this calculation for me, force itemization, so I can see if it's better to do forced itemization, paying the Fed more and the state a little less, then, you know, you, you can go ahead and do it yourself. So you've got to grasp what I'm telling you here. It's extremely important when you're a Maryland resident, okay? So itemized, is it strictly medical and dental, or are there other it's items I can include? Medical and dental is subject to everything over 7.5% of your adjusted gross income, $10,000 of property taxes and state and local income taxes, mortgage interest that you pay, and charitable contributions, whether it's cash or non-cash. Those are the four big itemized deductions you're going to be able to take. Okay, you say medical, dental, and the second one was, what was it, uh, $10,000 in property taxes? State and local income taxes and property taxes is limited to a total of $10,000. Oh. And then mortgage interest rates, uh, mortgage interest okay. you pay. And then lastly, charitable contributions and non-cash charitable contributions. All right. Set out and do it federal versus state, and which way would be better for me? Com compare the two: standard deduction, forced itemization, every single okay. time. All right. Thank you. 
right. Not an easy situation. She asked a very complicated question. And we, only, we don't have any time left. Sorry we're not going to get to Frank and Rosedale, are we? That was a great question, though. I, I really have, appreciate that I had the time to answer that. Uh, Leo, if you could ask uh, Frank what his question is, and I'll email him an answer, okay? You got it. Tomorrow. Yep. All right, so just ask him for his email, and I'll, I'll answer his question if he holds on. If not, uh, I will just want to wish everybody a Merry course. Let me start over. I want to wish everybody a Merry Christmas and have a ha- Happy New Year, but I'll be back next week for that. Anyway, it's Drew Tignanelli saying God bless. Show